1: Sarah was also there for Abraham's failures, and the scriptures have given us plenty of examples of times that Abraham failed. And Sometimes she was a participant in his failures, and sometimes she had her own failures, like creating the Hagar situation and mocking the Lord for making the promise of a child. And yet through all of this, Sarah became a great woman of faith, It is a look at
0: Sarah, this woman that even the Apostle Peter says is the best example he could come up with for what godly women look like. Welcome to Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. As we turn to Genesis 23 today, we turn our attention to the death of Sarah and a memorial, if you will, along with a good real estate transaction to boot. Here's Pastor Leighton
1: with more. Sarah has passed away, and Sarah deserves a worthy tomb, but there's more to the purchase of the property than that. Uh, Abraham is determined he wants to own a small piece of the promised land before he dies, and so the lengthy negotiations uh, that are described here allow him to use the need for a grave to establish some degree of ownership in the land. So before he died, Abraham did become a legal owner of a small part of the promised land, which was yet another fulfillment of a part of uh, the promise. And uh, as one of the scholars has written, he said, this is a priceless and informative scene from ancient history. It's a masterpiece of ancient writing and a vivid revelation of the customs of the times. We notice the elaborate exchange of courtesies between Abraham and the Hittites. These are real people acting according to their highly developed views of proper conduct. So this detailed uh, account of a business transaction also shows us, as Christians, how to do business with the world in our day as well. We notice some things. We notice, for instance, that Abraham showed respect and courtesy. Uh, And if there ever was a time when a short temper might be excused, it might be this time, when he was dealing with the loss of his wife Sarah. But that's not seen at all. We find that Abraham is a model of polite behavior. You know, there are some Christians, even some who call themselves pastor, who give Christianity a bad name by mistreating and abusing those whom they conduct business with, even waiters and waitresses. This should not be. Uh, Donald Gray Barnhouse wrote, It would be well if Christians were always courteous. Some seem to have forgotten the New Testament command, be courteous. They're arrogant and presuming towards superiors, haughty and sharp with inferiors, ready to claim as a right what they should seek as a favor. And if they confer a favor, they behave so ungraciously as to destroy all gratitude in the one who receives it. We should be the most polite of all, because each Christian should esteem others better than himself, Philippians 2, 3, and behave accordingly. As we find that... Uh, Abraham modeled respect and courtesy, and he was also just in his dealings as well. In these dealings, the Hittite offered to uh, give uh, Abraham the field and, and cave as a gift, but uh, he knew that to, to take advantage of that would have uh, injured that relationship going forward. Uh, he would, the person who gave it to him would have always felt like he was taken advantage of, and that would have created uh, problems. And so he, he paid an agreed upon price. And that should also be an example to believers, that we should pay what an object is worth. And if we're selling it, we should sell it for what it's worth. And there's something else that we notice about Abraham's dealings, and that is that he is wise. As he conducted this transaction, he did so in a place where it was widely witnessed. And, you know, it's unfortunate uh, that so many Christians, so many believers do not follow this example. They, they enter into verbal agreements verbal agreements, without adequate documentation or witnesses, and then they litigate, they take to court when the agreement turns sour. And pastors spend many frustrating hours trying to ascertain what the original agreements were and how to remedy the injured relationships and unfulfilled promises and expectations. How many hours have our pastors spent over the decades trying to fix these situations that were really needless if people had done things right the first time? So the bottom line is we need to follow Abraham's example. We need to conduct our business like it's business. Conduct business as business, especially if it involves a fellow Christian brother or sister. Make the agreement clear. Document it. Make sure there are sufficient witnesses to the agreement before the work begins or the item is exchanged. So that is an introduction. Now let's study this chapter in greater detail. We're in chapter 23, verse 1. Sarah lived to be 127 years old. She died at Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went to mourn for Sarah and to weep over her. So it tells us that she died in Hebron, which is interesting because the word Hebron can also be translated fellowship. She died in fellowship. And uh, she was in fellowship with her husband. They had traveled together, they had gone through challenges together, and they had stayed together. And she was in fellowship with her husband right to her dying day. And she was also in fellowship with the Lord as well. The Apostle Peter says that's the kind of woman a Christian wife should be, mentioning Sarah as the model. Now, when Sarah died, we estimate that Abraham and Sarah had been married not 30 years, not 50 years, not 75 years, but over 100 years. Now, that would be quite a celebration, wouldn't it? And it had been 62 years since she and her husband had left Ur of the Chaldees. So they had uh, had this journey together for over a century. Uh, For the first 75 years of his life, Abraham uh, lived in Ur of the Chaldees, which is in Babylon, uh, near Babylon in present-day Iraq. He he and his family no doubt worshipped many gods because that was the culture of the time. And uh, then Abraham received a visit from the true God who said, in effect, I've chosen you to be my model uh, of a man of faith, and through my relationship with you and your descendants, I'm going to redeem the world from sin and evil. And then God took that man and woman and from their very comfortable life and, and took them on a journey where they had to learn how to depend upon God for their provision and protection. At the time they left, the Bible tells us that Abraham was 75. His wife Sarah was 10 years younger at the age of 65, so they, and they'd been married about 50 years at that time. You know, um, setting out for the adventure of life together uh, is almost mandatory for young, newly married couples. I can remember that a couple of days after I got married, while we're still on our honeymoon, I decided to balance our checkbook. That was a bad idea, folks. That was a really bad idea, because I think we had $212 total to our name at the time. You know, setting out on the adventure of a life together is mandatory for a young, newly married couple, but Abraham and Sarah were middle-aged when they took this adventure. And Sarah was present for the successes and the celebrations of Abraham. When, for instance, he defeated the four invading kings. And then he was greeted by Melchizedek upon the return, and so forth. But Sarah was also there for... Abraham's failures, and the scriptures have given us plenty of examples of times that Abraham failed. And Sometimes she was a participant in his failures, and sometimes she, was, she had her own failures, like creating the Hagar situation and mocking the Lord for making the promise of a child. And yet, through all of this, Sarah became a great woman of faith— The prophet Isaiah, in chapter 51, urged his countrymen to look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who bore you. And then also the writer of Hebrews, in chapter 11, mentions Sarah by name as well as one of the faithful. But now Sarah is dead, and Abraham wept as he mourned. You know, this is the first mention of weeping or tears in the Bible. And it's interesting, it doesn't even occur until chapter 23. Um, There's no record of tears when Adam and Eve fell. There is no record of tears when the flood came. Um, And since this is the first recorded incidence of tears, it's also the first recorded incident of Abraham crying as well. Which means he didn't cry when... God asked him or told him to leave Ur of the Chaldees. He didn't cry when Lot was taken off into captivity. He didn't cry when God told him that he was to sacrifice his beloved son. But here he cries. Here he weeps. Now, why is that? Well, it's because death is our greatest enemy, according to Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It is a parting or a separation that is not reversed as long as one remains alive. And so mourning for one who has died is not only permitted, it's also expected. Especially for one with whom we've been close. The scriptures don't tell us that we shouldn't cry. What it tells us is we should not cry or weep as those who have no hope. Because we do have hope. And our hope is in Christ. You know the tears are rather interesting. They're unique. If you put them under a microscope, they contain a saline crystals that are shaped in the form of a cross. It's as though our Creator says, I understand your tears, for I have also wept. Now, the Bible tells us at the end of the previous chapter... Uh, Abraham and Sarah were living in Beersheba, but now it tells us they're living in Hebron. So they've moved back to the the area. And and the fact that they're in the land of Canaan is provided here to indicate that Sarah has died in the land of promise. Verse 3. Then Abraham rose from beside his dead wife and spoke to the Hittites. He said, I'm an alien and a stranger among you. Sell me some property for a burial site here. So, I can bury my dead. Uh, The word that's translated alien or stranger describes one who is not a native of the country. He, He or she is a foreigner, an outsider. And the word that's translated stranger or sojourner means one who occupies land but doesn't own it. And so, when you take these together, he is describing himself as a settled foreigner.
0: Well, as Pastor Layton has mentioned in the past, it's marvelous to consider the man that much of the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, is focused on, this father of our faith, if you will. More here in Genesis 23 tomorrow as we pick up where we left off. We trust you'll join us then. In the meantime, to review today's program or find out a bit more about us and who we are, we invite you to visit our website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Again, we are back in Genesis 23. That is tomorrow as we turn our attention once again to the death of Sarah. Until then, may God richly bless you.